Howdy. Hey. Morning. Hey. Hey. Good morning. We are somewhere in the world. Richmond. We're in Richmond, Virginia. Hello. Yeah, we are. Guys, Richmond fans brought it. And also, (laughs) can we talk about how Sabrina's been asking for teeth and finally got some? We got teeth. Thanks to Jendi. Okay. Jendi clarified that they are vegan teeth because Jendi made them on a 3D printer. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of different crystals and gemstones on there to help with protection. Protection with astral astral projection. projection. So many cool things. I I messaged her this morning and I was like, can you tell us what everything was on the teeth again? (laughs) Because we forget and we want to know everything. So those will be our new accessories, our Mm -hmm. teeth necklaces that we will wear at the shows. Yeah. We've got a lot of jewelry Mm -hmm. and amazing gifts. Dolls. Dolls. A ghosts. glass blower came last night yes. and blew tiny little ghosts. Blue ghosts. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> this is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. Speaking of blowing, this is two girls, one ghost. <laughs> Speaking um, of perversions. We are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And we are finally recording together. Yeah. It's been tough. We thought maybe, well, what did we think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest here i think i always had the cynical approach and was like we're not gonna have time to record on tour and you were like yes we will well we do look look at us what are we doing right now two moments and the rest has been wild trying to catch up on the little breaks between but thank god we get to record today because we can tell you a little teaser i'm not gonna really give anything away but oh we are on this leg of the trip stopping at a place (gasps) to see a person who's going to help us with our holiday card that we send out to Patreon members this year. Mm -hmm. So that's all we're going to tell you, but it's going to be freaking sick. Freaking nuts. Freaking nuts, man. Freaking crazy. Do we have any ghost stories? What's happened in our lives? Well, last night at the Funny Bone in Richmond, the person said, one of the the guys there that was working said that he definitely believes that it's super haunted Mm -hmm. there and that he will literally hear like all of the alcohol bottles like crashing clanging like the whole bar going and then walk into the room and there'll be nobody there nothing has fallen yeah and then someone did mention that the green room was haunted Mm. and we're heading to dc this morning yes right after we record and then we're going to wilmington delaware and then we go to we were told norfolk fuck norfolk 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 not norfolk 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 Norfolk. 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 Virginia. Fuck. We give Norfucks. <laughs> Nor Claire. <laughs> the condensation. <laughs> what was her name? Cleo. Claire. No. Oh. It, what? Jemaine. Oh. What are you talking about? I was thought you were talking about like Jemay. What's her name? The. Oh. Oh. From Aus- the Australian TV show. Yeah. I think it's Jamie. Jamie. Wait, right? I don't know. Okay, wait. Oh my gosh, this is going to bother me so much. It was that Australian TV show where the guy played every single character mm-hmm. and it, he was this PE school teacher. He was also the like... The like school girl, like high yeah. school girl. And then like the punk little boy who acted yeah. 10 years younger than he was. I saw him once. I ran into him at in Runyon Canyon and it was one of the most starstruck moments I ever had in my LA life. That's cool. But I was talking about Aquamarine. Or wait, H2O. I, I don't know. I haven't seen H2O. Can I tell you that this is my brother's jacket from when he was like 12 years old? It's so cool. It's a Yankees bomber. And 
it belonged to my brother when he was 12 years old, which was 13 years ago. Are you okay? I was trying so hard. Like I needed to sniffle, but I didn't want to ruin your microphone. So I was just going to let it drain back into my throat. I need to take a Claritin. Are you allergic to me? Probably. Someone actually didn't hug me at the show yesterday. She said, no, not you. I have cats. So she knew that I would probably react a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. Thank you. Cat at the Richmond show has cats. Also, we announce it at our meet and greets, but just for everyone to hear, we are huggers. We are huggers. So we've started a rule that when you're in line and you come up to meet us, if you don't want to immediately be hugged, we do like we do in church when you don't want communion, when you cannot have the Eucharist of Christ, you cross your arms in front of your chest. Mm -hmm. It's church. (laughs) Do the vampire. No. Do the dead body. Yeah. Pretend to be a vampire in the coffin. I would love to be a vampire. You'd love to be an alien, a vampire. What else? Everything. Oh, I wish we lived in Halloween town. Me too. This is. Wait, speaking of Halloween, I'm getting a tattoo. Yes, you are. Payne Lindsay sent me his tattoo person in Atlanta and I sent him a DM. And so now I'm getting a tattoo Hell or two. Yeah. Also, Payne went to our New York show. It was so exciting. We got to meet him for the first time in person. Yeah. Uh, he was way more interested in Sven, honestly. Oh, yeah. They have like a little romance going on. Sven was like fireman carried out of the <laughs> venue by Payne. The most the care night. and tenderness that Sven has experienced. I know. I'm breaking his legs. And Payne's like, I got you, buddy. I got you. <laughs> yeah. You'll make it to the next place. <laughs> I'm like, Sven, if you're ahead by the end and that's it, that's fine. We are doing something fun for the Friday the 13th show. Yeah, <laughs> it's in a couple of days. So this episode is coming out far after that. So we can just say what what we're doing. There was a trend on TikTok that I saw where people like got shirts for each other and it was a surprise and then they had to wear them wherever they were going. So on Friday the 13th, we are going to on stage exchange shirts and surprise each other. Yes. With items. It's going to be great. It's our one time that we get to pivot away from our costume, (laughs) aside from Halloween, that Halloween run that we're doing. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait to go to Walmart with you after we record. Walmart (laughs) and Target are our little pit stops. I feel like one of us should each go in each each of the stores so that we don't see the duplicates. Walmart, I go Target or vice versa. Can I nose goes Walmart? You can have Walmart. (laughs) Hell yeah. Okay. But if you find that shirt that that uh, listener was wearing on Campfire Campfire Stories, Stories, can we both get matching ones? Yeah. That was giving real... Urban Outfitter vibes. Me, I was like, yeah. I love that shirt. And she was like, it's from Walmart. You do? Yeah. Like, yeah. It looks great. I'll get that for us both. Can I say something? <laughs> yeah. This is the funniest thing I think I've ever experienced with you and Brian. Oh, my God. <laughs> now I know what you're saying. I can't hey, get over it. We're okay. the perfect connection. That's what I'll say. Yeah, you two are perfect for each other. Okay. So... <laughs> <sighs> it was raining cats and dogs okay, the so day f- between Connecticut be- as we were making our way down to New York City or to Brooklyn. Right. So I was like, we were just, we were all going to go get lunch together at Colony Grill, which so many people recommended to us. It was great. And then it was raining. And I was like, well, why don't we go down to Brooklyn and like walk around a little bit or find a town around here to walk around a little bit? And Corinne goes, oh, there's a Costco nearby. Like we could go walk around Costco. And that was me and you one-on-one. That was what I had suggested. I don't know where Brian was, but he wasn't in the vicinity. No. And And you said, said, absolutely not. I said, you can absolutely do that if that's what you want to do. Drop me off somewhere else. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. It's 
I feel like both of our suggestions were right. Yours, you wanted to explore an area maybe that you hadn't seen before or got to spend a ton of time in. Me, I was like, it is torrential downpour, so how much exploring am I going to do or enjoy doing? I could get lost in Costco for two hours, and that's great. And there's no rain there, but there's free snacks. There are free snacks and a lot of really bright lights. Yeah, okay, so you said no. Then... 10 minutes later, we're on the road and we're driving mm-hmm. and we happen to drive past the Costco. The infamous Costco. And Brian goes, oh, we could go walk around Costco. <laughs> I was like, see, Sabrina, this is a good idea. I was like, you two. We're on our way to downtown Greenwich so and Brian and I just want to go to Costco. Perfect for each other. <laughs> Honestly, it was it's beautiful. I love it. I support you. I will not walk around Costco with you both, but I fully embrace your desire to go Thanks. do that. And honestly, I feel like if it were anyone but you with us, they would have agreed. But it's torrential downpour and we're walking between stores. And by walking, I mean Brian and I are literally hugging the side of the buildings underneath the awnings. We're running from store to store trying to not be wet. And Sabrina slowly inches her way through a hurricane of rain and is drenched and then like comes in the store and you're like are you guys okay and i'm like are you because there's literally like you have drip droplets coming off of your nose i love the rain there's it looks like you had just been in a pool you know what i was thinking though when i was standing in the rain like that is remember when we were in salem last year and we did our aura readings and we did we did psych did we do tarot readings or we did like a 15-minute session with a psychic medium? I think we did tarot. That's a good question. I don't know because she like touched her hand or like yeah. felt the energy. Maybe it was hands. an intuitive reading. I don't remember. Maybe it was both. Maybe it was a little bit of everything. But with her, she was talking to me about how water is a really powerful element for me specifically. Mm-hmm. Like I feel cleansed by water. And in the rain, I was thinking about how – I was just feeling very connected. And I was like, I think I'm a water witch. Yeah, that would make sense. And then you also go down to the beach sometimes and like put your feet in the water and the mm-hmm. ocean. Yeah. That makes sense. I think I'm like a... Costco witch? I th- no, I was going to say like <laughs> dirt and grass. Like I need my feet on the land. Yeah. I need to hug some trees. You're a land animal. Land. And you're, you're sea or air. Yeah. You're spa- space. You're the- <laughs> I'm an alien. dreams do come true everyone if you just wish for something long enough it'll happen to you sabrina is probably going to be abducted in the next year that's what we are putting out to the world because i don't know there's moments that we think you got close so yeah i really hope so Mm -hmm. but until then until then we have a ghost story or you have a ghost story for us i have a ghost story and this was one that We actually did back in April for a live show, and normally we don't repeat these things, but it was just so good and so appropriate for the time that I needed to resurrect it. Resurrect it. This is our first resurrected episode. And it's never been on our main feed, so... No, only the people... On Patreon. 300 people have heard this. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just got to chill. A chill in your bones. Ooh. Because you know what's coming. You've heard this. I do. Actually, I haven't heard it in a long time. It's been months. So I'm excited. And you know our memory over here at Two Girls, One Ghost. Yeah. It has been a while. Honestly, yeah. I needed a refresher too.
This is the idol of dolls. Dun, dun, dun. We're having kind of like a doll theme for the end of October into November. Spooky, scary, creepy little dolls. Creepy little dolls. Singing as you sleep. I'm a creepy little doll. I like to watch you sleep. I show up when you don't expect it. I watch you when you shower. I clip your hair off and I put it in my stuffy belly. (laughs) It was a dramatic turn. (laughs) This is also the reason people are afraid of It's a Small World because this is exactly how they sing. It's a small world after all. It's a small world. Don't ask us to not sing because we will sing. It only makes us think about singing more. Don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. Okay, but what's happening in the world of the paranormal at the moment? Well, aside from Bigfoot running past freight trains. In Colorado. In Colorado. Greg and Dana Newkirk are always top of mind in our brains. And they recently released a documentary called The Unbinding. You can get it on Amazon Prime. Amazon? Yeah, a bunch of different. I think Amazon is one of the main ones, but we will link a couple places where you can watch it in the bottom of this in the description. It is so good. We both watched it. It's so good. Oh my gosh. Obsessed with it. We also did an episode on the Chrono Scat. The Chrono Scat Skills. Scatting. The Chrono Cat Skills, way back when, it was one of the early ish episodes. You did the Dybbuk Box. I did the Chrono Cat Skills. And it was just horrifying. And that's kind of what got Greg and Dana on our radar. Yes. So, Greg and Dana, they are paranormal enthusiasts. They are. Paranormal investigators, they're witchy, they are collectors and caretakers of haunted objects, Mm -hmm. and so they have many. And while they recently just released this documentary about understanding what was haunting the crone of cat skills and helping that spirit, there's another spirit out there that's haunting them. Can we tell people about a little bit about our relationship with Greg and Dana? Sure. Yes. Okay. If you've already come to our show, you do know... That Greg and Dana accompanied Corinne and I on the Conjuring House overnight investigation that we did. But we have gotten really close to them and, I mean, are obsessed with them. Their love story should be a Hollywood feature film. Maybe I'll write it one day. And they're just so knowledgeable about the paranormal space and have so many encounters. They've done, like, countless experiments and tests and studies. Yeah. They have a collection of haunted objects in they their use home. all of their resources to fully understand. Like, they're the ones going into archives. They're the ones reaching out to specialists across the world who yeah. specialize in, in different, like, a symbol or different religions. Like, they do everything in their power to understand what is in front of them. Yeah. It doesn't stop at, oh, this is haunted, so let's go show it off. They have immense respect yeah. for the items that they have, and they have – a ton of amazing relationships in the network of the paranormal. And I don't know. I and feel now like they're, they're just, our they besties. They and don't know it, but they are. We play it really cool when we're with them, though. Yeah. And then as soon as we're not, we're like, oh, great, love them. <laughs> we love them. Okay. So I don't know why I called it the idol of dolls earlier. It's the idol of nightmares. This is the item that is in their possession. So Greg himself, who, you know, we just gave you guys their resume, Greg yes. and Dana. Greg himself said... Quote, once in a while, you come into possession of an object with a particular ability, which really makes you dread having any contact with it. For me, that object is the idol. Oh, man. 
I'm like just as scared as the first time I talked about it. The idol freaks me out. It doesn't really freak me out. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. It's interesting because I feel like the Crown of Caskills freaked me out more, but then there was like a positive ending to it. Mm. But there's, spoiler alert, really no positive ending-ish to Billy the Idol at the moment. Yes. Okay. So when I'm doing the research back in April, I see like a headline or whatever. Like it's eye-catching and I'm like, ooh. Click on that. The Idol of Nightmares. Let me click on this. So I start researching it. I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm really excited to hear about it. I'm shaking in my boots, right? Like Greg said that this is spooky. So now I think this is spooky because I trust everything Greg says. Yes. So I'm wondering what the Idol of Nightmares is all about. I skip ahead. I don't read the whole article yet. I start Googling images. I'm zooming in. Whoopsie. I'm zooming in hard. I'm seeing pixels at this point. Then I go back to researching and at the top of an article in Week and Weird, which was written by Greg Newkirk, there's a warning. And it says, many people have experienced nightmares after viewing the idol, including photographs of it. So I was like, shit. (laughs) I just looked at a ton of them. Is this a disclaimer for everyone? We're about to put a photo. So if you're watching on YouTube or if you're just perusing our Instagram. Did you have any nightmares? I did not. But I had relatives that came to our show that did. Really, oh. really dark nightmares. Are you going to share them? Uh, I don't think they told me what they were about. Okay. Or if they did, I don't remember. That was months ago. It's interesting because at those shows, people saw a lot of spirits on stage. And I'm curious yeah. if they were connected to this story. Interesting. Because our equipment that we had brought there, which was just an EMF reader, that thing was going off like crazy at that show. Yeah. You used the Necrophonic app. Well, we did two shows. They both had a ton of activity. But the very first time we talked about this, that was when everyone, like people who'd never seen spirits before, were seeing all of these shadows just walking across and like lurking behind the stage. And behind the stage was like literally, it was was just like a sheet right behind us. And there were shadows going back and forth. I didn't have any nightmares either. So. Yeah. I know. I was Knock on wood. Can't jinx it. Good luck to all of you. We're not superstitious, but we are a little stitious. We are so. a little stitious. Okay, Michael so. Scott taught us the best. <laughs> We've showed the photo here. We're going to show it a few more times. So if you're watching on YouTube, be warned. There it is, the Idol of Nightmares, a terribly haunted artifact, which you guys are all now exposed to. <laughs> we exposed you. We exposed you. But I feel like you'll be safe after seeing it if you stay awake. So... Never sleep. Yeah, you won't have any nightmares if you just don't go to bed. Great. All right. Well, let's learn what we're dealing with, okay? Okay. So Greg and Dana were like, ooh, this is freaky. So I'm like, well, how the heck did you guys even get this thing in the first place? It all starts with a man named Tim. Tim. Or at least the way Greg and Dana possessed this item starts with Tim. Okay. Tim, he's a regular old guy. He's not old. I said that (laughs) weird. He's a... He's a regular man. O-L apostrophe. Old guy. Like a, like a buddy. Old, buddy yeah. old pal. Buddy old pal Tim. Yeah. So this guy Tim, he buys a house in Dayton, Ohio. Him, his wife, his young child, they are moving in together to this brand new home. They're setting everything up right. Like there's boxes that they need to unpack in every single room, much like my house at the moment. <laughs> so they're going through that sort of thing. And one of the things that's a priority, especially because, you know, they have a kid Their son probably wants to watch TV in their brand new home. They need to set up cable. And in order to do that, they have to go through the basement and wire it through the basement, which when we first researched this, I was like, 
I don't know how internet and cable works. Like, why did they have to go to the basement? I had to go to the basement now you the other it. day. Yes. Okay. So Tim goes, he goes down into the basement. He lays flat on his stomach and he shimmies through the crawl space to bring the cable wires down into the basement where he needs them to be. In the crawl space, it is completely empty except for one item. It's a burlap sack. It is tied tightly with twine and there's dust and cobwebs covering the whole thing, indicating that, you know, it had been there for a while. This is how the movie, I think it's one of the new Conjurings oh, really? starts. It's the one with the um, old lady, the one that Taylor was talking about that her husband watched. Oh, oh, it must be the most recent one it then. It might be. Yeah. Taylor from Creeps and Crimes. So curious, Tim grabs this burlap sack. He brings it upstairs. He's like, hey, family, gather around. Look what I found. I found treasure down in the basement of our new home. Okay, but to be fair, wouldn't you be so curious too if you found something? I would be very curious. Yeah. And not knowing what it is, you would think like, oh, it's probably like a cool matchbook and like an old wooden car toy or something. Like, you're Oh, not- I would have thought like dead animal for sure. Oh, okay. Well, then, if you thought that, you probably shouldn't say, come here, young child of mine. Well, I would never call upon everyone, but I think I would be curious to know what was in there. Oh, me too. Yeah. But Tim called upon everyone. He said, wife, son, come here. It's like Christmas morning. Let's unveil this (laughs) tightly wound burlap sack of twine, and let's see what this thing is. And so his family is there, and he unwraps it, and they see that it's this figure, a figurine, this black figurine with ivory eyes. The carving figurine kind of looks to be probably African. It is also massive. So we're going to show a picture right now of Greg holding this idol of nightmares because it is not like a Barbie-sized item. This thing is like my life-size (laughs) Barbie-sized. It's huge. Yeah. And also for comparison, too, if you're like looking at Greg, because at the time that we'd researched this, I had no idea how tall Greg was. He's tall. tall. He's tall. He's tall. He's definitely probably like 6'2", at least. So I guess for probably comparison's sake, I would say that this tall is probably lengthwise half the size of our bodies. Oh, like shit, height. that's so big. It is. I mean, look at it on his lap. He's much taller than we are. Yeah. So like waist up. Waist up. That is the idol of nightmares. Okay. So at the time, Tim and his family don't know what this thing is. They're just like, oh, what a weird thing to have wrapped in the crawl space of the basement. It has some dirt in the grooves. It's all made of wood. And so they're thinking like, okay, maybe at some point it was buried or it spent some time outside, but now it's wrapped and it's in our house. Hiding in the crawl space. Hiding in the crawl space. Not anymore though, because Tim had unwrapped it. And then he said, why don't I just put this on my desk right now? Leave it here unwrapped on my desk while we finish all of the unboxing of our house and setting this place up so he returns down to the crawl space he finishes the cable job and that's the end of the story the end (laughs) (laughs) there should be a podcast where it's just frustrating stories only where you're like you get like to a climax and then nothing happens happens after that (laughs) (laughs) okay so that very night tim and his wife they go to bed and they are awoken in the middle of the night by his son screaming he's having the worst nightmare he says It's the man. It's the man from the figurine that is there and was in his bedroom. And he said that this little man stood at the foot of his bed 
and the man slowly grabbed his blankets and pulled them off of him. Does that mean he was cold and he wanted the blankets for himself? Maybe. But Tim and his wife at this point are like, oh, whoops, like a little bit of a a parenting mistake here. (laughs) Like probably shouldn't have done that and unwrapped this spooky item from the basement and showed our young son this. When he's already in a new space, in a new home, and is probably freaked out to begin with. There's some nervousness. It's just a nightmare. He'll forget about it soon. We'll move on. Dun, dun, dun. But none of them moved on. Because Tim and his wife started having nightmares of this little man. These nightmares would be so vivid and so horrific. They happened night after night. And so Tim was like, we got to get rid of this thing. He wraps it back up and he shoves it in the crawl space. Tim and his wife, neither of them have ever shared exactly what they had dreamt about, exactly what the nightmares were. It's so traumatizing to them that they don't want to share the details. But Tim gave one tiny little snippet to try to help people understand exactly what was going on. He said, quote, I had a dream that I held her down, meaning his wife. I put a sharp rock to her chest. I cut her open. Oh, my God. I heard her ribs crack, felt the warmth of her blood. I can remember the way she screamed. Everything. It was all so vivid. Then I dug out her heart with my bare hands and ate it. The fact that he was willing to share that one. That's the benign one that he'll, he's willing to give to the public. Also, the way that you said it is also like so, you almost said it with like a, deliciousness and i ate it and i ate it (laughs) Ah! it's very gross but i think we can all understand why tim and his family were like get this thing the heck out of here and so tim attempted to he wrapped it back up and then he moved it back into the crawl space you know what i'm curious Mm -hmm. if all of this would have happened regardless oh them just moving in or because it's an unwrapping yeah unbinding was it about unwrapping it or is it because like had he never gone into the crawl space, would their family have been plagued by nightmares and never known what caused it? Oh, that's interesting. It was just like needed the attention of someone know that I'm down here. Someone help me. Maybe. Yeah. Or just like whoever left it there, like left it and it was always going to haunt mm. whoever lived there. So it is good that they actually ended up finding it. Yeah. Well, there is a voodoo priestess that comes into play in a little bit and she has a different theory. So I guess it's one of those things with the paranormal where – we never are certain. Right. But we can theorize. Especially because they did find it as soon as they did. Like they didn't sleep there and then have nightmares and then find it. Right. It was so day we, one. We would never know. So we can't know. Tim shoves it back away. They're hoping that this will stop the nightmares. And it kind of does. The nightmares do die down. But that is because the energy from the idol of nightmares shifts and it starts to manifest in different ways. The lights are now flickering. Faucets are suddenly turning on at all times of the day and night. Shadows would dart from room to room. And one of the things that spooked me most, because this is something that happened in my childhood home growing up in Vermont, they would hear what sounded like activity in the kitchen so they would hear like the cabinets opening and closing and silverware like rattling like someone's rummaging through the Mm. drawers but no one would be there obviously 
So Tim needed to get rid of this thing permanently, but he couldn't just put it in the trash, right? Like he knew that much. Right. Good for he Tim. Was, yes. Good for Tim. Pro Tim. Team Tim here. <laughs> he was, always teams. Yeah. It's either you or me. <laughs> and we're all on Tim's team. Yes. So he was nervous that someone else might find it and unknowingly lurk release this curse that he felt his family was experiencing. So he was like, okay, I'm not going to just like give it to Goodwill. I'm not going to put it in the trash. I'm not going to do anything like that. So instead, Tim, who I don't think was into any of the paranormal stuff ahead of time, like before experiencing this idol of nightmares, he decided to take to the computer and do some research. And one night he happened to tune in to the show Coast to Coast AM. And this is where he was intro to Greg and Dana Newkirk. Because they were the guests that night on Coast that to Coast is so AM. Cool. They were speaking about their museum and all of the haunted artifacts. So Tim thinks, fantastic. I'm going to offload this object to them. I'm going to donate it to their museum. And so he contacts Greg and Dana. He gets a response. They're like, sure, like we'll go check out your item. We'll take it for you. And so they make a agreement to kind of meet halfway between where both of them live. They're driving some distance. And they're meeting in a Walmart parking lot. Which is where we're going to be I later was today. That. What deals are happening in the parking <laughs> lot that we'll, when we're inside, like running around trying to find funky shirts? So they agree to meet up at Walmart. Tim immediately approaches their car when he sees them pull up and he basically throws this item at them. And he says to Greg, He's your problem now. And activity starts immediately. Greg and Dana were heading to Mackinac Island in Michigan for an event. And their car stalled. They get the car going again, and it's jerking. Like, there's issues over and over again. The radio starts turning on and off. So much happens to their car. Just as soon as it's going again, something else happens. And it's never the same problem. It took them what should have been an eight-hour drive to Mackinac Island. It took 15 hours. I would have given up. That's double the time. Oh, my God. I know. And at this point, I mean, we, we also talked to Greg and Dana about this, too, because yeah. we were inquiring minds when we got mm -hmm. to hang out with them and we're like oh we just talked about the idol of nightmares we were literally in the basement with them at like midnight of the conjuring house talking the idol of nightmares <laughs> talking all about the idol of nightmares and also like so many of their other encounters and stories that we hope to have them actually on the podcast to talk to us about mm -hmm. because we can never do like some of the stories they told us justice like the, it's so no. much better from their perspective right yeah well, one of the things that they did tell us was that at the time, they didn't think that it was the idol. Like, yeah. their car issues, they truly thought it was a car issue. Right. And so after the event that they'd gone to at Mackinac Island, they brought their car to a shop. And the person who was checking it out was like, there's quite literally nothing wrong with your car. Like, all the problems you're saying, can't see it, can't replicate it. It's just not happening. Hey. So they're like, ooh, what was different? Oh, we had a new haunted item huh. in our car. So they start to do some research on it. And through their network, they receive the advice of a voodoo priestess. This voodoo priestess suggests to them that they should create an altar for the idol, give some offerings, and that the crawl space where it was found should be cleansed with salt and pure ammonia. This person said that the idol of nightmares, she theorized, it was clearly wrapped and placed in the home for a reason and that now that it's been unwrapped and taken away from the home, the spirit is restless. And perhaps some of the bad energy that's existing or like attached to this figurine, to this idol of nightmares, as it's now nicknamed, is because it was created 
as a way to essentially curse someone. So the way that it was wrapped Mm. up, the way that it was bound and where it was placed in the home, this voodoo priestess thinks that perhaps originally it was meant to curse somebody. Well, then I'm so cute. It's so tough because we'll never know where, like the origin of this before Tim. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know know who put it there originally to curse and who were they trying to curse? Was it someone trying to curse the previous owners of the home? How far back does it go? Right. Well, and so this is one of the things too. So the age of the object when they were analyzing it, it appeared to be quite old. So they actually Mm. theorized that the person that originally was intended to be harmed by this curse is probably dead. And so because of this, the spirit is just there and restless and terrorizing people because it doesn't have a direction to take the energy. Interesting. And another thing that they said that's really interesting is that apparently if you disturb the idol after a ritual is completed, it will reverse the curse. So they were also saying that by, by disturbing this figurine, this idol of nightmares, and unwrapping it, whoever had originally placed the curse that curse would come back to them. So instead of harming the person they intended to, it will come back to them for their ill wishes. But again, it was so old that that person was also probably likely dead. I hope that that family's okay. Because if it's bloodline, like if it goes back to curse. Oh, I didn't think about that. This is why do not curse people because it's always going to come back to you to or your you. family so in some regard. Yeah. <laughs> also, I feel bad for the spirit because if this spirit was called upon to curse someone else and then did its job and then is stuck in this entity and this idol mm-hmm. and has no way out, I don't know. I feel bad. I feel like it's been manipulated. It has. I mean, it totally has. So Greg and Dana, they take this advice and they make an altar and they gave an offering to the idol of nightmares, but it did not stop the spirit. Greg soon dreamt of the little man, just like Tim and his family did. In Greg's dream, he was in a crowded place, but he felt eyes on him. He turned and he saw a small man, child-sized, in a muddy brown cloak. His eyes were electric blue and his skin as black as ink. Oh, the electric blue. I know. The thing was definitely haunted. That's for (laughs) sure. That's for sure. And Greg and Dana were going to bring it with them on their traveling museum tour. They're so brave. I know. So Greg and Dana, they have this uh, traveling museum of the cult and paranormal, and they will sometimes go to different conventions and to different places, and they'll bring with them a few items to show to people that want to see them. And so the Idol of Nightmares was one of the things that they decided, hey, it's a new object. This is clearly haunted. Let's take it. Some people might be curious about it. They put it in the car, and they go to Pittsburgh. But this time, before putting it in the car, they're like, we should probably tell this thing where we're going and what we're doing with it. So they did explain it to the the Idol of Nightmares to try Mm -hmm. to avoid any car issues and panic from that spirit. And it seemed to work because they didn't have any car troubles. Love that. They got to Pittsburgh Communication. Yes. Very important. But there was trouble in the crowd. (laughs) So the Idol sat patiently in the car waiting to bring all of its antics and craziness to the stage in Pittsburgh. (laughs) A few people chose at that event to hold the idol. One woman who held it had this horrible reaction. Her body became completely frozen like a statue. And then her eyes had this fiery rage build up behind them. She began to speak strange words and she was like muttering in a different language. And she was like, I feel like the way it's described, it almost seems like she was having like a weird seizure or like a possession basically. 
And so Greg lunges towards her, rips the idol out of her hands, and she immediately stops, goes back oh to normal. Oh, my gosh. But she remembered everything. Oh, she remembered it? She didn't remember, like, exactly what she did, but she just knew something went wrong. Mm. And so she was super confused. She was very embarrassed. She knew, like, whatever she did yeah, was – Yeah, it's scary. Scary, yes. Yeah. Um, and so she kept apologizing and apologizing. And Greg and Dana are like, oh, my God, you don't have to apologize. It's not you. Uh, it was the idol. But, yeah, it's time to lock up the idols. <laughs> so they didn't after that. Whoever had already touched it had touched it. But no one else after this woman was allowed to touch the idol because they were like, clearly we don't understand its full right. – Power. Power. Exactly. Yeah. A week later, after the event, the event organizer reached out to Greg and Dana because at the time of the event, he had held the idol for just like five seconds. I don't know. It wasn't long. I feel like you don't even have to hold it to experience anything. Clearly, people look look at the photo. Yeah. He said he kept seeing the idol. And the day after the event, he saw it sitting in his dog's crate. That's like so I hate that. The next night, he was watching TV with his partner, and he kept seeing images of the idol flash on the screen. And then he had a dream about a plane crash. And when he turned to see who was seated next to him on the plane, oh no, it was this little man, <laughs> the man attached to the idol. I would never get on a plane after that. I know. And then so still stuck in this dream of like the plane crash, he's frantically trying to reach out to Greg and Dana to be like, help me take this thing back. Like, it's haunting me. And in his dream, he no longer has Greg and Dana's numbers. He looks up their home address and it's just an empty field. And it's just like all these. Basically like that, stuck alone with it. Yes. Like yeah. he, there's no one here to help you. Yeah. Your one lifeline. It's not here anymore. So he was terrified. But he's like, is this thing haunting me? Are these just fear-based hallucinations? I'm not really sure. Well, we know it's definitely being this thing is haunting people because that man and the woman who experienced such a visceral reaction in person are not the only people from that event who experienced the hauntings of the Idol of Nightmares. One week after meeting the idol and touching it for a very brief moment at the event, a man is driving to work. The highway has some light fog, so he's concentrating really hard on the road, and he sees something standing in the middle of the highway. It's up ahead. It is right there. On the road. And so he's like, oh my God, I need to avoid like this, whatever this thing is. As he's slowing down, because he doesn't want to hit this person, he realizes what this thing is. It's the idol. So Greg, with this knowledge, goes back on to Coast to Coast AM and he shared about the idol of nightmares with a picture that he took on his cell phone, which we will show in the YouTube video right now. It's on a throne, basically. It's Yeah, it's like sitting on this red velvety throne. That night, Greg saw the idol in his dreams again. It was glaring at him with two rows of sharp teeth, and in the morning, their inbox, Greg and Dana's inbox, is flooded with emails from other people who also looked at that picture posted after he was on Coast to Coast AM and saw the idol in their dreams. So everyone dreamt of the idol that night. It is so wild. I mean, similar to Peggy the doll, like how are these entities so powerful Mm -hmm. that they are transmitting their energy through an image? And actively- multiple people at once. It's like a web. It doesn't matter. Like everybody gets a tentacle. There's not, it doesn't seem to have a threshold. I don't even know where to begin with my questions because I have so many. Yeah. It's freaky. Yeah. It's not just that everyone dreamt of the idol. Like they were experiencing extreme nightmares. And we can only imagine what those would be after hearing what Tim had experienced. Right. So 
it seems that the curse that comes from the Idol of Nightmares is very real. People are experiencing it. It's ever-present, and Greg and Dana need to figure out what to do. (laughs) The Idol of Nightmares has been nicknamed Billy, because Billy Idol. Which makes me laugh because the very first show we did in Portland, Maine (laughs) – we were like, huh, I wonder why Billy the Idol. And everyone was like, you idiot. The whole crowd was like, yeah, we were like, oh, Billy the Idol. Like, why oh, Billy? Why Billy? The whole crowd goes, Billy Idol. And we're like, oh, my God. Just the word the in there somehow tripped us up. You know, sometimes our one brain cell evades both of us. It does. It's elusive. The elusive yeah. brain cell. When we were talking to Greg and Dana about this, Dana nicknamed Billy, because she loves Billy Idol. So she was like, ha, the idol of nightmares. Billy Idol. Billy Idol. Love it. So here's the thing. Up until this point, people are probably thinking, this thing is very scary. There's clearly a curse. Whatever's attached to it, whatever entity, spirit, whatever this is, it is dangerous. It seems evil, right? But could this just be a confused entity warming up to the idea of having an audience? And here's why I think that. (laughs) Okay. A visitor who held Billy in Pittsburgh had a horrible experience just a few days after the event. He said that he was driving. There's a lot of cars in this. Don't like that. He was driving and suddenly he started thinking about holding Billy. And he didn't know why. But the image of him cradling Billy, just holding Billy, just kept being in his mind. It was like playing over and over. He couldn't get rid of the thought. In that moment, while he's dreaming of holding Billy the idol of nightmares, this semi-truck suddenly comes into his lane quickly and without warning. And so he grips his steering wheel and he tries to avoid the semi-truck. He does, but that ends with him driving 65 miles per hour into a ditch and completely totaling his car. So his car totaled. Semi-truck hit and run, keeps going, not a care in the world. And this man is laying there in the ditch with his totaled car, having survived a crash at 65 miles per hour And still, the only thing he can think of is Billy. He's not thinking about how scary was that. He's not thinking about his family, his life, his car. Nothing is flashing before him. He's only consumed with the thought of Billy. He walked away without a scratch, which leaves us with the question, in that moment, was Billy trying to distract him and have him killed by the semi-truck? Or did Billy send this like protective bubble around him and was like, so long as you think of me, you will be protected because 65 miles per hour into a ditch, no scratch, perfectly walking away. That seems impossible. I feel like you're really trying to advocate for Billy here, but with how many encounters people had of driving and Billy appearing and then Greg and Dana's car having so much car trouble. Yeah. And also... He was new, though. He was <sighs> new in town. He needed to figure it out. Warm up to everybody. You know, people are suspicious. He basically got kidnapped or maybe by he's Greg and getting Dana. more control of vehicles and he took over this truck driver and tried to get the truck driver to run into this man. <sighs> I guess maybe we need to phone a friend and that friend be Greg and Dana and ask them. All I know is I'm already so scared of dying in a car. car, So I will not, I will never look at 
or touch Billy in person. I think that that's a good call for you. Yeah. I wouldn't either just because I don't want – well, also, we've looked at his photo. Yeah. It seems like looking at the photo versus touching is – yeah. Yeah. If you look at the photo, you might have a nightmare, but it seems if you touch him and hold him – you might a lot of get in a near car accident. Yes. Cars and just like actually seeing him in person, like in the world, in the middle of the street, in your dog's crate. Don't. That's like an opportunity that. Uh, that we don't want to have. No. We uh, decline. <laughs> so all of this to say, we're not entirely sure what's going on with Billy. Maybe he was very angry in the beginning. And now that he's being taken care of by Greg and Dana, maybe – there's some more understanding here. Greg and Dana do have a, well, one, they have a podcast called the Haunted Objects Podcast. And two, they have a Patreon. And on their Patreon, they post a ton of EVPs, all of the evidence that they capture. We're members. With all, we're, we are members. <laughs> we see it all. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you anything that was on their Patreon, really, because I don't want to, you know. Behind a paywall for a reason. behind a paywall. But I will tell you one thing that's behind the paywall, and that is that even though it sounds like Billy might be evil, maybe he's not, or at least he feels very positively now towards Greg and Dana because there have been multiple EVPs where he's been quite kind to them and even said, I love you. (laughs) How sweet. I love you. I love you. That is sweet. And I do feel like, I mean, we love Greg and Dana, so Mm -hmm. we get it. I feel like they are such kind souls who are really trying to understand, like you've said, like trying to understand these entities, these objects, where they came from, what yeah. spirit is in inside of them and why. And who bound them, right. if anything, or why they're bound to yeah. these objects. Like, do they need help being released? Or is this simply a safe space for them and they just need to be right. put somewhere that they are treated in the way that they need to be? I so badly want to call Greg and Dana right now and be like, hey, can you give us an update on Billy the Idol? Phone a friend. Phone a friend. Well, we should talk to them soon and then okay. we'll have them on the podcast and get some updates on yeah, all, of their, that's a good idea. all the object was, objects we've ever talked about on our podcast and have some updates. Yeah. That would be good. But for those of you who dared to look at the photos of Billy the Idol. Or perhaps the, forgot and just saw it. Just saw it. <laughs> the Idol of Nightmares. If you do experience anything, if you do have a nightmare, please let us know. Please let Greg and Dana know. And good luck. Stay safe. I'm so curious how many people out here, out there in the world, listening in the ether, would touch Billy. Ugh, and why? It's weird What's wrong with you? I literally just said I wouldn't, but I kind of think I would. I think I really? would swaddle him. And then I would hold him. I would cradle him. I'd let him hear my heartbeat. Are you going like, to give mommy. him like a rebirth experience? <laughs> you, you need mommy? I'm your I'm mommy. I'm mommy now. <laughs> See, I feel like you would be so good at collecting haunted objects too because you have this care. I have like strong maternal instinct and also like immense respect that almost overpowers my fear sometimes. Yeah. I will power through fear to be like, it's okay. You just need maybe a hug. Yeah. I'm terrified, Hugs. but I will cradle you and I will give you compliments until you feel worthy and can move on from where you are right now. Just wants a little hug. Yes. That's what I think. Also, I don't know that Billy's a demon, so I take that back. I more mean, I think Billy is misunderstood and definitely confused and perhaps having been locked up in that crawl space for so long and coming to into this world was confusing. Yeah. Totally. 
And I feel like that's one of the other things. It's it's almost like with adopting pets or anything like that where, you know, online there are some great haunted object sellers that are like, hey, this is not something to mess with. And this is mm-hmm. – we're looking for an appropriate home, like a home that makes sense for these spirits and and what they want. Because if you put something in a spot where they're not going to be respected or taken care of, then of course something's going to get angry. It doesn't mean that they're evil. It doesn't mean that they're demonic no. in a negative way. It very well could just be an item and a spirit that has been mistreated for so long yeah. that there's very little trust in what's happening to it or where it's going. And it's a really big fear response. I also feel like this is applicable to humans too. We all yeah. are kind of amalgamation of our past and our past experiences and the way we react to new people, to new experiences is very telling of from our past. So if you've done therapy as much as I have, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you look at someone and it's easy to maybe judge or feel a certain way. But if you take a step back and just be like, wait a second, I don't know what their past was like. I don't know their life experience. I don't know what they've been through to make them react in this certain way. And maybe if I take a moment to try to understand that, I will appreciate this person more. Yeah. I've been trying to do that because I feel like after the fact, when I walk away from a situation where someone's like very cranky with me or something, I think about that. But in the moment, sometimes I'm like, what an asshole. (laughs) But I've been really working on not saying anything else and like not contributing to it. Basically, I like don't defend myself (laughs) anymore. I just like diffuse and walk away because I'm like, I'm just going to add to their anger. I'm just going to add to their bad day. And sometimes in the moment, it doesn't make sense to comment. Sometimes you just have to take a second to process and be like, okay, well, why was my reaction this way? Why did I not want to walk around Costco with Corinne and Brian? (laughs) Or like, remember, okay, wait. So when we were, oh, we were in Philly and I had valeted my car because we were driving this whole leg. And at night when I got back to the hotel, you were out with your family I pulled up to the hotel and no one was at the valet desk. And then eventually like two guys who were hanging half a block away in like flannel t-shirts and just like regular sweatshirts walked over and they're like, hey, are you valeting your car? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, great, we'll take your keys. And I was like, am I about to get tricked into just like having grand theft auto (laughs) happen to me? So I was really reluctant and handing over my keys because there were no name badges. There were no yeah. like uniforms. It was literally, it was it was a cold night. So they probably just put on their own stuff to like keep yeah. warm. But still, you know, it's something to think about. So I immediately went inside and I asked the front desk, I said, do you know how many people are working the valet? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I go, okay, do you know what they look like? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay, well, here's what just happened to me. No one was at the valet. After a few minutes, two other guys from like a different area came walking over and took my keys. Do you think that that was the people working valet or did I just hand my keys to two random people? And she gets mad at me and she goes, uh, yeah, the valet guys are allowed to walk. Like mad at me thinking I'm like tattletailing on them for right. being away from you their You just station. wanted to make sure your car wasn't getting stolen. And I was like, okay. And I was just like, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm just going to go to bed. If my car's stolen in the morning, we'll figure it out. The Marriott is going to hear my wrath. <laughs> But for ch- it was all good. It was all good. They worked for valet. They were just cold. Yeah. <laughs> and your car was not stolen. And we've continued the drive portion of our tour. Yep. I really, okay. So the other day we were on Campfire Stories and I can't remember the listener's name, but they told us this story about when they moved into this house, the only thing the previous owners left was a doll tied up <laughs> to yes. a cross in their basement. Yeah. It was like, 
in the boiler room or yeah. something. Okay, so I tried to find that, but I couldn't. Wait, oh, <laughs> I thought you said on Campfire Stories, but it was Encounters, right? No, it was on Campfire Stories. I swear I read it. Okay, so just kidding. Corinne read this on the episode that comes out right before this. <laughs> but anyway, it was so spooky. And I was like, it reminds me so much of Billy the Idol. Mm-hmm. I found a story similar. This is a story from our listener, Carrie, and it is called Haunted Objects and Two Icky Ghosts. Hello, my dear ghostesses. Hello. It's lovely to finally sit down and write to you. I feel like this is such a love letter. It's starting off really positive, so curious how this will spin. It's going to take a turn. I mean, icky ghosts doesn't really oh, yeah. buy positivity. I breezed past that. I was just yeah. like, oh, they're complimenting us or like <laughs> addressing us kindly. So I've been listening to your podcast for only a few months and I realized I've had a lot of paranormal experiences. I'm a very sensitive person. I get headaches before thunderstorms. I'm very good at reading people. And after four years of working in sales, I can now read objects and rooms a little too well. I'll start with my stories about haunted or maybe blessed objects. Sounds a little positive. Mm -hmm. A bit of background on my career. I work in interior design and I call on people in their homes. Sales is a great job for me because I'm a very social and cheerful person. I try to be respectful and considerate of everyone I call on. Even the little ones, the babies, the kids, the dogs, the cats. They all want to hang out with me when I'm at the house. <laughs> I joke that everyone wants to be my friend, but really it's true. I feel like you do have an energy because already I ignored I like the you. ickiness and we're like, yeah, yeah, we love you. Best buds. When calling on people in the Midwest, I run into a treasure trove of antiques. Some are weird. Some are a little creepy. Some are definitely spooky. And some are 10 out of 10 haunted. I can feel the aura or energy coming off of older objects. And some days this is wonderful. Other days it's harrowing. Sometimes I know when to strike up a conversation about things. I know whoever gave a piece of furniture or a prominently displayed piece of art was a benevolent and loving human. I get to hear about people's late mother-in-laws, beloved aunts, and sweet grandfathers. These objects have a very warm feeling coming off of them. It's the same way sunlight brightens and heats up a room. I don't know how else to describe it. However, I can also feel when an object has something weird or negative attached to it. I, of course, never mention to the owners the objects that I am seeing and feeling are off or might have a spirit attached to them. It's weird enough for them to have a stranger in their home already. I don't want to make it any more awkward. <laughs> I come across a lot of old haunted mirrors. Something about the fact that they're like a portal makes spirits readily attached to them. So please make sure if you're picking up an antique mirror from a mall or a secondhand store that you are choosing carefully. The most haunted room of objects I've ever been in still gives me chills to think about. A lady I called on collected Victorian morning clothes. Whoa. And kept them all in her basement. Of course, a basement is colder than the rest of the house, but oh my God, this basement was frigid. I knew there was something off and weird the second I got into the room. It smelled of mothballs and was 10 degrees cooler than the rest of the house, even though it was a finished basement. I could feel so much pain coming off the Victorian garments. Absolute human agony. 
It brought up memories from history class of how widows were treated in that time, how women couldn't own property, they couldn't remarry unless they had children to tend to, and if they were poor, they were often shuttled away from society and everything they knew to go live with their next living relative, who sometimes was a distant cousin or someone they barely knew. Their entire estate went to whichever man was next in line, so of course, the loss of a husband was absolutely catastrophic back then. Yeah. It kind of also reminds me of the a series of unfortunate events, you know? Yeah, definitely. Many of these women wore black for the two years following their husband's death, but many actually did for the rest of their lives, as Queen Victoria did when Prince Albert passed. Long story short, I have never felt so much human despair in one room. The suffering of the women who wore these garments hung thick in the air. As a spiritually sensitive person, it practically stung, like smoke in the lungs. Jeez. Do you think anyone just tried to hide that their husband had passed? Oh, interesting. To avoid, you know. And say they're off doing business. Oh, you always miss him. Yeah. You got to come at a different time. He's usually here. But then they weren't allowed to have bank accounts or anything. Like how how were they able to keep money or make money? And yeah, it's difficult. So this same customer had a suffragette hat sitting nearby. I'm not sure if it was a British or American suffragette hat, but there was so much suffering attached to this as well, which comes as no surprise because you know the history behind women's right to vote. Women did crazy things for their rights. They starved themselves. They sat in jail. They were tortured. It really puts into perspective how fortunate we as women today are able to vote and make our voices heard. I'm not sure why this woman was collecting so many items specific to women's agony, but wow, that room was so full of cool history, and I'm really glad I was able to leave the heavy feeling behind. I felt like an energy vampire feeding. Now, to go on to the ghost encounters. In May of 2020, over Memorial Day weekend, a few friends decided to go camping on this gorgeous creek in rural Wisconsin. Oh, I hear the word rural, and I think Bigfoot. (laughs) And camping. Freaky dicky. Everyone else had a tent. But I decided to sleep in the creepy little Airbnb attached to the property. Oh, I thought they were going to say like just bear out there in a sleeping sleeping bag. bag. But I honestly feel like the creepy little Airbnb almost is worse. (laughs) Well, yep. She says, bad choice. Very bad. We were finally settling down around 11 p.m. And I was on the upper level of this weird old house all alone. I could feel someone looking at me in the darkness. I really tried to shrug it off or tell myself I was being paranoid, but I couldn't shake it off. It felt like someone was there that really didn't want me there. Oh, God. I opened my eyes in the dark, trying to reassure myself that nothing was there, but I could see the silhouette of someone sitting on the next bed over. And because I have no chill, I shrieked. I ran out of the cabin down to where my friends were sleeping. And of course, I woke my non-believer friend who thought I was being crazy, but offered up his sleeper hammock for me to sleep in. Of course, it was a full moon. Of course, coyotes and owls and all the insects were awake, making all their noises, and I could barely even sleep for more than two hours because I was so on edge from my encounter. I woke up the next day and it was all okay. I got to laugh and eat with my friends. We went tubing in the creek. We got a little burnt and a little drunk and had the best time. But that evening, everyone was sitting around the campfire, and I felt something looking at me. Through the window of the Airbnb, I could see a cranky old man staring out at me from inside the house. I'm like, can you hear me breathing? Yeah. (laughs) 
Just for reference, my friends and I are all in our mid to late 20s and early 30s. There is not a single old cranky man among us. Needless to say, I slept in the hammock again. A little better this time since it was an overcast night and also because I knew I wasn't crazy. That spirit really did not want me around. Now here is the best for last. The ickiest ghost. The worst encounter. The most stressful night's sleep of my life. Oh no. I visit my friends in the Twin Cities a few times a year. It frequently ends up being around summer solstice. Two friends have summer birthdays. Fall equinox, we love Halloween, and winter solstice. I always visit for New Year's Eve. Of course, I hadn't thought of this before, but this is also when spirits are the most active. But damn, did I find out the hard way. (laughs) One of my friends who I used to stay with every time I visited lived by herself with a cat in a one-bedroom apartment. She is a witch and senses things in the same way that I do. Whenever I stayed there, I would sleep on the couch in the living room and we would sometimes end our nights around 2 a.m. because when old college friends get together, they have a lot of catching up to do. After watching Pan's Labyrinth one evening, I could feel something staring at me. But not just staring at me, leering at me. No bueno. And not just leering at me, actually, practically drooling over me. My skin started to crawl at this lecherous being's gaze and I asked my friend, hey, do you feel that? She said, yeah, probably something just passing through. I immediately jumped into bed with her because I was not chancing being alone with that thing, whatever it was. We brushed it off and assumed it was just something passing through until the next time I visited and I felt it again. I felt guilty for crowding my friend in her bed, but I would have let her do the same with me if she felt wrong about a space. I had kind of forgotten about these experiences until one day my friend was moving out of her apartment and she rolled back the rug from under the couch where I would sleep and there was a stain on the hardwood. Then she remembered the landlord saying that the last person who lived in the apartment had died in the apartment. Oh, it's so sad. Why is there a stain? It just makes me think that it's not like a peaceful passing. So of course, whenever I slept at hers, I was sleeping directly over the place where this person had died. Jeez. So maybe he was messing with me. She also had stories of him messing with her. One time she woke up suddenly because she'd stopped breathing and knew it was him. I'm so glad that he never played that trick with me. Doesn't seem Is like that a, a trick? trick or a murder attempt. Hope you've enjoyed my spooky stories. Thanks for all you do. Keep me company on my long drives for work. See you on the other side. Love, Carrie. What if it's not this man at all? It was just something that was already in the place that this person who had passed also experienced and was traumatized by. And now it's looking for Carrie. And now we've traumatized all of you. Carrie has traumatized us. That's true. (laughs) Billy the Idol has traumatized many people and haunted objects. Life has traumatized a lot of people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And also just Carrie's stories. What a cool job. Very cool job. But also I'm freaked out about the whole, like just the the camping one. I I know know that that's not as extreme, but like just the fact that you would see someone standing out and like lurking wait this reminds me what i know jerry and sarah had texted us to let us know that they were staying in a haunted place before sarah's wedding Uh but i was listening to their recent episode and they were talking about it and they like everyone should listen but on ladies and tangents they booked this airbnb that was like amazing in the morning because there were like peacocks and bunnies (laughs) and like all of these animals but at night it was so freaky and Apparently, Jerry and Sarah were in the same bedroom and they were like sleeping there and they were waiting for some of their other friends to get there. 
and it's complete silence. And Sierra goes, hello? Because she heard someone downstairs come in and say, hello? But Jerry didn't. <gasps> oh. Right before the wedding. <laughs> Just a little ghost. The night before. Wishing their best wishes. But this is kind of reminded me of it because it was like they were staying in the Airbnb. Yeah. That is haunted. Carrie, I'm curious because it's an Airbnb. So I'm curious if it still is an Airbnb, if we mm. can look at pictures. Oh, yeah. Show I just want to see photos of link. it. Yeah. We'll ask. Maybe we'll stay there. No. We're not staying there. Okay. You can touch Billy the Idol and you can stay there. What's happened to us? I know. We swapped. <laughs> I feel like we go through phases where I'm like the daring, dangerous, like, ooh, I'll play with a Ouija board, which I still would. I think, I, I think I'm opening up. I know. You keep trying to peer pressure me, but it's a hard boundary. I'm saying no. Mm, we'll see about that. Ghost therapy is all about boundaries, but not mine. <laughs> well, I respect most of them. <laughs> most. <laughs> you know, most. some boundaries are meant to be pushed. <laughs> this is like the 18th time you've tried. The Ouija I would board. never force you to do it. Okay. You I wouldn't because I wouldn't do it. That's well, the here's thing. the thing. It doesn't need to be a Ouija board. I think I would like to use because I think the the issue with Ouija boards is they often have like demonic symbols and stuff on them i think that's where mm. people are like these are dangerous well and things are lurking in the wings it's so easy to use one incorrectly right so i think i would be open to doing something similar to a ouija board like a spirit board with greg and dana or like people who are experts and help mm -hmm. set because it's not all that different than using a pendulum using a spirit a box spirit a pendulum yeah. all those things we still commune with the dead so I guess I am saying I would like to find ways to communicate with the dead more. And if it were a Ouija board because Greg, because I will give into anything that Greg and Dana suggest to do, if they're like, oh, we know how to use it and we know how to do it safely, or here's an alternative that's very similar to that, I'd be like, great, sign me up. Yeah. I bet we can learn some of that because Dana always does. She like has her own coven and she teaches people I know. how to do her practices in witchcraft and i think yeah. she does like youtube lives and stuff live streams when i was at powell's bookstore there were so many different witchcraft related books mm. like ones with spells and rituals and stuff i was like this is so fascinating but i would love to learn i feel like i need to do a lot of research about the people who wrote those books like what their background is yeah where they picked up these rituals because i very much would love maybe dana should just write a book yeah, but I spells. mean, Dana needs to. It's also, I feel like there's so much that just like, you do what feels right. And maybe that's yeah. just like the way that I, I do I it. Agree. But like sometimes people are like, oh, here's a ritual that you should do. Or here's like a beginning practice. And sometimes I'm like, well, I don't feel connected to that, but I do feel connected to this. Right. So I think it's kind of like picking and choosing what feels good. Because the Choose point of it is like, yeah, your energy and your you intentions. Connect. Yeah. And if it's not authentic, then it's similar to when people are like, if you're trying to combat a negative energy it's not going to do much for you to say like a christian prayer or if like you're, spray holy if water you're not, yeah yeah if you don't believe in any of that if you're of a different faith right. or just believe in something else entirely it, that doesn't help you nearly as much as calling upon and thinking about the positives of whatever your own beliefs are yeah mine are just stand in the rain and get soaking wet let the rain fall, fall down, down. And make my dreams let it wash away my sanity. Uh -huh. We don't know the words that well. No. San 
wash away my sanity. You I think had sanity, it. You had yeah. it. Yeah, I did yeah. not. I said synergy. Did I ever that tell you my sister and our one friend Bianca were Your so Your one friend? Well, we shared a friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like together friend. I did ballet with her and my sister figure skated with her, but they were so similar and we were driving once and I can't remember what the song was, but I was singing the right words, but together at the same time they're like, well, "What did you just say?" And I was like, I said, da, da, da. and they were like, that's not the lyric. And they told me something different. And then they started the song again from the beginning and then waited for me to say the wrong lyric to make fun of me. How were they so in sync? Did they plan this? I don't know. But this is why I've done so much therapy. It's Lexi's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lexi. It is, she's and my- now Lexi's healing everything that she's ever I hurt know. you for by giving you no Emmy. Well, and also, like, that was also early. I mean, siblings it's, bully yeah, each other all children. the time. We tied up my brother. We, like, bullied him. <laughs> and then oh and then gosh. all of a sudden he got, like, 13. And he was like, I can beat you up. I attempted to bully my brother, but he was so calm and, like, go with the flow that he was like, this is what we're doing? Okay. <laughs> You're dressing me up while I'm, like, in fairy wings and making me into a girl and taking a whole photo shoot and posting it all over the place? Let's go. I feel like I was the Christian in your family. Yeah. I just wanted to hang out with my sister so much that I would sing the wrong lyrics. And then I would also let her tie me up to her bedpost because I thought we were playing school and then her and her friends left. Well, it sounds like you thought you were signing up for a good time and your definition of a good time was a little different. You found out too late, but just never learned. I was hopeful. You were hopeful. But the next time. Yeah. I think Christian was just a, anything seemed fun. Yeah. (laughs) He was reckless. Reckless. That's what happened. (laughs) Try a little bit of anything every time, always. And that's kind of our mentality right now with the paranormal. So fuck around and find out with us. Fuck around, find out. Thank you for coming to another episode of Two Girls, One Coast. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. You can tell other people about the podcast. That is huge. Word of mouth is huge. huge. Do this for all of the podcasts that you love because it really does help. And if you do it for our podcast, I'll show you my feet. Oh, I was going to (laughs) say, there they are, that uh, we call it the pyramid scheme, and you will be promoted in the TGOG Mm -hmm. triangle, and if you get high enough up, you get a ghost car, similar to the, what was it, the like Ghostmobile and Spongebob? Yeah. It doesn't exist. It's invisible, but you get one. Yes. We tell you, you have one. And then if you come to see us live on tour, maybe we'll hug you. Or bless you if you don't want to hug. And we'll tell you so many encounters that we had with Greg and Dana at The Conjuring House. It's a really fun, spooky good time. And we love you all so much. Please come watch us on YouTube and tell your friends about us. And never stop listening. Shout out to our new producer, Jamie. What's up, Jamie? What's up, Jamie? And shout out to all of you. We love you so much. Mm -hmm. And we will. See you on the other side. Very smooth.